1: We've said many times before that God delights in being trusted. God delights when his children come to him and and ask him for help. And grace enables us to begin to live the impossible commands of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit helps us to begin to do the impossible, to love the unlovable, to be humble in situations when we just want to
0: lash out. Living the Christian life includes things that seem totally counterintuitive, such as not retaliating when we are wronged and forgiving people when they hurt us or someone we love. It also involves loving people when we don't really want to. Pastor Jim wants us to be encouraged though, and remember that we have a source of help when approaching difficult tasks. Jesus is always there to help us with the high calling of loving people. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter five, with part two of his message entitled, Humbled and Exalted.
1: I choose whether I I live a life of joy or grief. You don't do that to me. I mean, I, I may every once in a while be upset when somebody hurts somebody else, but for that would be unprofitable to you. Another version puts it interestingly, says, by submitting to leaders, you actually help yourself. And we'll probably see why in a second. Now, in our day, in our culture, the word submissive is really a curse word because it conjures up ideas of abuse, and there have been many people who have been abusive using that word submission, but not so in the Bible. It is not a word of abuse, and here with leaders, he's telling us in Hebrews 13, 17, that leaders will have to give an account for the tending of the souls of the people in the church. That the leaders in the church will have to give an account for positioning the people in the church for godliness. But here's something you have to get a hold of. Okay? You are responsible for your own godliness. All right? The leaders are responsible. Their part is they're responsible to position you, but you are responsible for your own godliness. I hear from a lot of people when we go out on outreaches or I meet people that I'm talking to about faith and matters of faith, and they'll say, well, you know, I really don't know anything about God, but that's my priest's fault. That's not right. I don't know anything about God, but that's my pastor's fault. No, that's not right. God is gonna hold each of us, he's gonna hold them accountable for not teaching you, but he's gonna hold us accountable For our own godliness. I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, when I talk to God, I'll I'll straighten him out about this. I don't know about you, but I don't envision myself meeting God and straightening him out. When I think about meeting God, there's usually three things I think about. Number one, I'm the lion talking to the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Those of us who are a little bit old will remember a fellow by the name of Ralph Cramden. A ham and a ham and a ham and a ham and a ham. It's kind of what I see it. Or the only words I might be able to get out is this. I look at Jesus and I go, I'm with him. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't foresee myself telling God off. And believe it or not, this model of church and leadership is God's design for the growth and godliness of the people of God. This is how the good shepherd cares for his flock. This is what a lot of people say when they don't want to they don't want to submit to to leadership, okay? But my leader is imperfect. And so is your boss. So is the government. So is my wife's husband. <laughs> and so are you. We're all imperfect. You see, that's not the point that Peter's making. The point is not the perfection of the leadership. The point is faithfulness under God's sovereignty. The point is being faithful where God has put you. And apart from the Lord Jesus, I think the best example in the Bible is King David, who served under King Saul. You have this godly young man serving under a godless king in so many ways, but originally he was God's choice. And Saul's trying to kill David, and then David had the opportunity to kill him, and what did he say? I will not touch the Lord's anointed. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to let God deal with Saul. And so just as there are no excuses for harsh leadership, we saw that last week, there's no excuse for undermining the leadership in the church. Again, you said, I, I, I'm with you, Pastor Jim, but you don't understand. Man, like leaders are just not perfect. That's fine. Jesus is perfect, right? Any of you ever not want to do what he said? Ever any of us not do what he said? You see, one way we learn to obey Jesus is learning to obey others who God has put in our lives, if you will, to smooth us out a little. Sandpaper, right? We learn by humility before leaders. Number two, Humility before others. So if point number one didn't clear your sinuses, here we go. Humility before others. Now, just a quick note for you Bible students. I really think that verse 5 should be two separate verses. I don't think it should be one. That's why I interrupted it right in the middle like that. Now, some of you are saying... Pastor Jim, you're questioning the Bible. The Bible was not written in chapter and verse. That was put in later to make it easier for us to find things. The chapter divisions came about in the 13th century. The verse notations came about in the 16th century. And some of your Bibles are written in paragraph form. And the paragraphs came about much more recently. So again, he said, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders and then he says, "Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Quoting Proverbs 3:34, James also mentioned it in his epistle, chapter 4, verse 6. So let's read the second half again very slowly. Yes, all of you. Oh, you're like ah. Oh, I thought I wasn't young. I was exempt. Am I, oh. Be submissive to one another. That term, one another, what does it mean? It's church language. As we exist in the church and we interact with one another. And then he says, and he gives us a command, be clothed with humility for, and this will either keep you up at night or make you sleep like a baby, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So now Peter moves from last week, how the leaders are to be, this week, how we are to uh, respond to leadership. Notice I spent the whole week last week complaining about bad leaders and telling leaders how to do and, and realizing that I have to live up to that standard and do my best with God's help for that. This week, we talked a little bit about what it is for people who are not leaders. Now he moves into the interpersonal relations in the church, and he says this, Every one of us must put on humility. Well, why is this so important in church life? Why is this so important in church life? I think there's a lot of reasons that you could talk about it, but I'll pick one that is probably very important to the church in America right now is because the humble, and don't assume humble is people who are just quiet, if you ever meet anybody walk around, I'm just a humble man. I'm like, no, you're not. You're proud because you think you're humble, <laughs> right, okay? <laughs> so so it's, not, it's not necessarily quiet. A humble person realizes they're a sinner, and so they tend to be less personally offended by other sinners. You got that? They realize they're a sinner, so when others act sinfully towards them, they're less surprised by it. And too often, people use personal offense as the reason why they don't go to church or why they don't participate in anything. Well, you know, I was offended one time. I'm like, one time? (laughs) My goodness, how many of you have been offended more than once? You see, pride constantly presses its own ideas. Pride constantly presses its own agenda. And here's the thing. Sometimes pride is loud, but sometimes pride seethes in our hearts. We can be proud if we just want our own way all of the time, even if we never say a word about it. Pride leaves when it's offended. Pride pouts when it's offended, when it doesn't get its own way. But humility is the attitude of putting others first. There's an old expression about humility. It says that humility is the oil that allows relationships to run smoothly. Humility is the oil that allows relationships to run smoothly. That's how a church runs smoothly. Now, we run pretty smoothly here. I don't know whether we're humble or we're just all so busy. We don't have any time to fight. I don't know what that is. But it's so important that we are humble with one another. We studied, We came across this Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest. Remember when we studied that, we said that it's assumed you'll look out for your own interest, okay, but also for the interest of others. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to talk about the great humility of the Lord Jesus. And those three words that just constantly stop me in my tracks when I read Philippians 2. That's just saying in verse 8, it says, He humbled Himself. That Jesus humbled Himself. Philippians 2 tells us the story of when God clothed Himself in human flesh. John 13 tells us the story of the Last Supper when it said that Jesus stood up and he put on a towel. Now we think of like, oh, you know, he just kind of put on an apron or something like that. But someone listening to that in the first century would have known that he stood up and he put on the clothing of a servant because he was about to do the dirty work of serving others. And then it says he washed the disciples' feet. And anybody reading that in the first century would have known he got up from the table He covered himself to get dirty, and he kneeled down and washed the disciples' feet. What would it have been like to talk to Peter about that moment when God washed his feet? I think Peter said, man, I can't even talk about it because I was so young I was so arrogant. I was so stupid. And he still, he knew I was going to deny him. He knew I was going to run away from him. And he still washed my feet. And just as Jesus humbly served, this is the high calling of every follower of Jesus Christ. And let me ask you, Christian, will you, will I, Will we as a church answer that call? Peter says, clothe yourself with humility. Just as you and I choose each day what clothes to wear, he says, daily choose to put on humility. Decide that you're going to be humble. Be willing to be humble. Humility recognizes that we are totally dependent on the Lord. Humility realizes that we are no better than other people. Humility is a discipline of the mind that is followed by action. And let's be perfectly honest. I'm not always so sure that's the vibe the church in America gives off to a lot of people who are not followers of Jesus. We're often guilty of a false humility telling people how to live who don't know Jesus Christ and say, oh, I'm just telling you this stuff, brother, because I love you. Instead of being outspoken in love, telling people about the wonders of the Savior who died on the cross in their place for their sins. You see, our world is better at everything than the church is. God designed it that way. You no know, no offense to the musicians, they have better music. Keith Emerson died. If you don't know who that is, good for you, you never smoke pot. okay? So, you know, whenever I say that stuff, you love, this is Calvary Chapel, man. okay? So the pastor wears jeans and doesn't tuck his shirt in. So rock and roll musician dies, the guy from the Eagles and the guy from Earth, Wind, and Fire dies. So it's in the magazines, it's on the news. When some Christian musician dies, nobody's going to hear about it. When some faithful person who plays in a band in a church, dies, people aren't going to hear about it. They have better everything. We can't top what the world has, but we can top them in love. And we can top them in humility. And church should be the gathering of the humble. Church should be the place where people, by the way, if you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're hearing what we're supposed to be. We are supposed to be the place where people come in and say, these people are really different. I love about our church, different ages, different skin colors, different socioeconomic backgrounds. I love it. I love it because there has to be something special that unites us. And it's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, The church, we are to be grateful that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but we are also to be grateful and aware that he died for others. Let me ask you, friend, who's ever sitting next to you, are you grateful Jesus died for them too? Or is it only my relationship with Jesus? This is a wonderful thing we are to share Again, if you're not a Christian, and what I mean by a Christian, a committed follower of Jesus, you know, you can become one today. And a good place to start is is admitting your own tendency for a lack of humility. And admitting your own tendency to always put yourself in all your decisions ahead of everybody else. Admit your lack of trust in the Lord. You know, you become a Christian when you become aware of your sin You become aware of your inability to change yourself and you cry out to God for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. You cry out to God for help. The Bible calls that repentance and faith. You turn to God and you say, I'm doing my own thing and it's just not happening and I know it's wrong. And you put your trust in Jesus Christ to get you into the next life. But not only will Jesus forgive your sins, not only will He give you eternal life, he will bring you into the reality of His grace, where humility and joy and security and confidence begins to grow in your soul. And why is this so important that we are humble? Well, look at the end of verse five. God resists the proud. Another version says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We've said many times before that God delights in being trusted. God delights when his children come to him and ask him for help. And grace enables us to begin to live the impossible commands of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit helps us to begin to do the impossible, to love the unlovable, to be humble in situations when we just want to lash out. Now, interesting, James quotes this same verse, and for him the context is complacency. James says that being complacent in your Christian walk is actually a form of pride, because you're not depending upon the Lord. And when we're not depending upon the lord what does it do it develops a worldliness in us and we're drifting from god and we don't even realize what's happening and god might oppose you because that's the only way to get your or my attention do you know what it's like to have god oppose you do you know what it's like to feel like you can get no traction in your life you know, it's like it's like seinfeld right you know, Something would happen and Jerry would go, Newman, right? (laughs) And you're trying to get traction in your life. And you're like, God, right? You just know that he is somehow behind it because you're walking in pride and not humility. And nothing seems to be happening. And here it's interesting. Peter talks about opposing the proud in the context of what? Refusing to follow church leadership. Refusing to be clothed with humility. Perhaps even thinking, in all this church talk that he's been doing, thinking, you don't need church to be a follower of Jesus. So what might happen? God might resist you. God might oppose you. Wow. Wow. What a motivation to have humility before others. Well, number 1, humility before leaders, number 2, humility before others, number 3, humility before God, verse 6. Therefore, he says, because of everything we just heard, humble yourselves. Now, isn't it interesting? What did he just tell us? You do it. I do it. We don't we don't want to wait around for God to humble us, do we? We don't want life to humble us. Peter says, don't wait around for that. Who knows what that will lead to? Do it now. Humble yourself now. And he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's Old Testament language, symbolic of the power and presence of God, that he may, not like, well, he might, he's not so sure. No, he will exalt you in due time. And we've seen earlier in the letter, that time probably is Jesus' second coming. Now, this is very simple. This is very simple. This is like a fisherman talking to his fishing buddies, right? Don't go fishing when the fish aren't biting. That's simple, right? All right? So he just says here, since God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, why don't you stop fighting God and be humble? Now, including and perhaps in the context of 1 Peter was what? It's suffering, It's life not going our way. God is evaluating the people of God. And he's saying, in that, humble yourself. So you pass the evaluation. You know, in rebellion, you might find yourself under the mighty hand of God. Tough place to be, isn't it? Really tough place to be. But in faith and trust in obedience, in putting yourself under the mighty hand of God, you actually put yourself in the mighty hand of God and He will what? He will lift you up. He will exalt you. He will take you to heaven. His hand of support will be under you. And So here Peter telling us, stay faithful, do your best with God's help, trust the power of the Lord's mighty hand to care for you." Humility has a purpose. Now it's interesting here, the ultimate goal is not humility. Humility is finite. We're not going to need humility in heaven. The goal or the outcome of humility is to be exalted. The goal or the outcome of humility is eternal. And that was the experience of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He was lifted up into heaven. And Acts 2.33 says he was exalted to the right hand of God. You say, okay, Pastor Jim, I get it. I get it that someday, someday, I will be exalted. I will be lifted up but I'm 23. (laughs) Sounds like a long time away. You'll be there tomorrow, trust me. What do I do now? My life is not going well. What what do I do now? What do I do until then? Well, God tells us in verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The idea is that he continually cares for you. I love the way J.B. Phillips put it. He said this, you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him for you are his personal concern. I love that. I love that. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? They are your personal concern.
0: And that's the way God watches out his children. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the book of 1 Peter is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Changed by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember friends, we are here to serve you and to help you so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the Kingdom of God works and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Changed by Love. All of our contact information is on our website www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us and write us a card or letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus and we know that you too will be changed by his love.